0: and Lynn are you on the line I am great great well let's kick it off so uh, welcome to managing your kitty's inner tiger I'm Carolyn Kozlowski founder of the specialty cat e-commerce site my3cats.com and I have on the line today Dr. Lynn Baer DVM and founder of Desi and Rue Toys we want to welcome all of you to our podcast today managing your kitty's inner tiger We're going to make a deep dive into the topic of cat aggression, a common behavior that you might have encountered with your own cats, and we'll talk about ways you can deal with it effectively. Finally, at the end of our podcast, we're going to announce a free toy offer just for your cat, plus a special discount offer you really won't want to miss. Let's start out by telling you more about who we are. So my3cats.com is an established e-commerce site specializing in offering the very best and unique cat products and cat lover gifts on the market. Our passion for cats started well over 20 years ago when we opened a brick and mortar store in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Now we're serving a much broader cat loving market across the US and abroad with our wide array of lifestyle products to make the bond between you and your cat the best it can be. As founder of my3cats.com. I'm really gratified every day with stories from our great customers about how cats love our products and how that brings them peace of mind. Well Dr. Lynn, it's almost Independence Day, so we're going to celebrate cats today because they know what independence is all about, don't they?
1: Well, they do. Um, they're cats.
0: Absolutely. So, you know, talking about cats expressing their independence, it's kind of crazy, but Some cats will actually lash out when their humans pet them for any length of time. Why is that and what do you suggest as a possible solution? I believe they do that to
1: let you know that they've sort of had enough. because cats are nonverbal, they can't tell you you know oh stop you're squeezing me too hard or i'm not ready to cuddle right now leave me alone i'm not in the mood um and so really their forms of communication are quite limited and swatting at you or lashing out is just a way to say hey leave me alone at the moment
0: oh i see okay so and and this perception that cats are independent. Is that is that really the case?
1: Well, by nature they are. Um, however, in today's world, um, cats really aren't as natural as they used to be when they lived outside. Instead, they now live in our homes um, within four walls and they're completely dependent on their owners. They are 100% reliant on food, shelter, love, um, entertainment,
0: and enrichment. Well, I couldn't agree with you more on that. Uh, Lynn, you are uh, a DVM, and so I'd like to take this chance to just say a few words of, about you today, if that's okay.
1: Certainly, go right ahead. Sure,
0: so Dr. Lynn Bear is a 1991 graduate from the University of Georgia College of Veterinary Medicine. She credits a special gray and white ball of kitten fluff to lead her down the path of a career in feline medicine and behavior. Helping to strengthen the human-animal bond is her life's mission and guiding force, and her areas of interest in special care for felines include health and wellness, environmental enrichment, hospice, euthanasia, and ending the practice of declawing. Dr. Baer is currently the CEO of Desi and Rue, a company that designs, manufactures, and sells solution-based pet products that enhance the lives of cats and their owners. Personally and through her company, she volunteers time and support to animal-related charities and causes. She serves on the board of of Director of Pandemonium Aviaries, Fear Free Advisory Board, is a parliamentarian of the Society of Veterinary Medical Ethics and is on the cat committee of the Pet Professional Guild. So let's move on with another question for Dr. Lynn. This comes up a lot with multiple cat owners. Cats sometimes will gang up on a cat, intimidating him to the point where he may run from the room and hide. What's this all about, Dr. Lynn? Is there anything multiple cat owners can do to manage this situation? And then also, uh, is there a difference between male and female cats as it relates to aggressiveness?
1: So those are some really um, important questions. It is a common problem that owners have with multi-cat households. Um, interestingly enough, you know, I am a uh, non-declawed veterinarian. I've never performed a declaw in my entire career of 30 years, very proud to say that. Um, I have a special interest in cats who are declawed and I find that in households where a cat is is getting beat up, oftentimes it is a declawed cat. Um, and i believe that there is some pathology behind the ones who are victims tend to be or some problem that indicates to the pack that they're not as strong and that they're easily picked on now if that's not the situation you have a strong cat and um, they have no reason to be picked on I think of it as being somewhat similar to children and you know how they act in the playground and in school and how just about in every situation um, in life you will find that there is a bully or there is a victim. And it's almost a natural tendency I think for some so you know when cats are in Again, how's to get balls. It's best to make sure that everybody has their own individual resources so that they have less to fight about. Um, Everybody should have their own bowls, everybody should have their own toys, their own beds, their own quiet, safe place to hide. Um, The more resources that we give to our cats, the less likely they are to um, fight each other over it. Aggression runs deep. It can be as as simple as a cat who just has too much energy and has to get it out somehow. Um, nobody will play with them and we're just getting pent up and looking for ways to um, release that energy. And so then they'll just go pick on another cat.
0: Yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, certainly, and I think as a multiple cat, owner uh, i have experienced that too and and i can understand how uh your advice would be to just have enough resources around the house and you know to provide them with a lot of tlc
1: yes um and you asked whether it was male or female and right um, I don't put as much on gender as i do on just personality um you know like people you have laid-back cats and just like people you have others that are higher maintenance
0: well here's another question that we hear about often as it relates to multiple cat households uh at dinner time when food is put down sometimes one cat will travel from dish to dish pushing the other cats out and eating their food uh, have you ever seen this happen? and is there anything that can be done to eliminate that problem?
1: Yes, and I think it happens frequently. Um, you know, i I would assume it also happens out in nature when you know you have a colony of cats that are being fed. Um, there's always that one kind of pushy cat that just has to go check everybody's things out, and make sure that that nobody's getting something better than what they have. I think it's very natural, there's you know, really nothing too terribly wrong with it. Um, the best thing to do in a situation like that is to um, feed the other cats first. You know, again, everybody should have their own food bowl. Um, I prefer that food bowls be separated from each other so that nobody has to be cheek to cheek, and then whoever eats the slowest gets fed first and it's a routine and you call each cat over to their bowl and the one that, that kind of dish surfs gets fed last. Um, assuming that we're feeding canned food, that cat that also, you know, maybe gobbles everything down first and is done and trying to visit everybody else's bowl, you could take a, a you know, some dry kibble or a couple of treats and throw it across the rim and give that cat a little bit of exercise um, going to chase a treat or two while everybody else is devouring their meal.
0: I really love the term you use, dish surfing. <laughs> <laughs> That's is great. Is there, I have this vision, you know, of the cat on a surfboard, you know, surfing right. from dish to dish. Anyway, uh, on to the next question. So aggressive behavior among cats can also sometimes happen in the litter box. What's up with that? What do you suggest to alleviate the problem?
1: Well that one can turn into a very serious problem because a cat who's getting bullied in the bathroom is more apt to try to find different places to go to the bathroom. So when that occurs that can really wreak havoc in a household. so there's there's several things to be done number one again we go back to resources everybody should have their own resources so there should be multiple litter boxes um, where cats can have access to them they should not be covered Um, because that traps a cat inside the litter box if they're getting beat up on Um, so uncovered litter boxes are best and also keeping them away from the wall you don't want to push them up to the wall where a cat who is being bullied can't get away so they have to have access into the litter box from all four directions and be placed in an area where they can see when somebody's coming up you know on to that and so keeping the cat safe is the key mm-hmm. um so those things will will definitely help and you know again that involves just guarding reeds you know resources just a bully cat finding opportunities to um get their energy out, express themselves, and to show their dominance. And so for the cat that is the bully, you know, I, 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 I feel like play is the answer to everything exercise and play and activity cures all and so making sure that that bully cat is just worn out every day from playing and having fun helps as well as making sure that every cat has
0: appropriate resources for their individual needs you know, I can't help but think, Dr. Lynn, that that might have been a motivation for you to develop your own line of cat toys. <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely was the motivation.
1: Um, you know, I never thought I'd I'd be in go from the exam room to
0: the toy room, but I have to tell you, it's a lot of fun. Oh, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is, and it's really providing a solution. You know, for all of us out here that have multiple cats or even one in the household and you know we have to leave the house from time to time. So um, we want to thank you for that. Uh, So on to uh, the next question here. We all know that playtime is known as a great diffuser of stress among household cats. We were just on that topic. Um, I regularly enjoy playtime with my own cats and you know, typically I'll throw a cat them toy around with them or I'll engage them uh, with a wand teaser toy. And um, sometimes I notice that um, they might become possessive of the toy and they won't let go. They love it too much, I guess. Uh, when I try to loosen their grip, they hold on tightly and sometimes swipe at my hand. Um, why do they do this? And what should I do about it? Well, I think it goes back to
1: catch and cats Mm -hmm. really are much more solitary creatures in nature they hunt 10 to 20 times a day and um, they're not always successful which is why they have to hunt so much Um, they actually only are successful two thirds of the time so when they do actually catch their prey um, it's for a meal it's to consume and that's theirs they will typically catch it, take it off to a safe place, and consume it. With our indoor cats, we're helping them hunt by playing with them and playing games that are, you know, pounce and run and chase type games, like you said, with wand toys. Um, And that, again, you know, brings them back to their natural instincts when they get that toy. That that's theirs and they're supposed to take it away, hide, and consume it. I recommend. Well, thank you for people, that answer. Yes, one more thing when people are playing with their cats and they are using the wand toys and having their cat chase all around, it's always helpful to make sure that they are successful a lot of the time don't just keep having them run and chase and run and chase Um, let them catch it and then when they want to carry it away allow them to do that as well oh that's a great
0: point that's a great point let them pounce and capture and uh you know they can feel a sense of satisfaction with that Yes, Uh, and you know
1: i know you sell toys and people are always looking for Um, indestructible toys because once they buy it, they don't want it destroyed. And I kind of feel like that is way off the mark that I want cats to destroy their toys. That means they had fun. That means they were active. That means they enjoyed it. Um, You know, a a well-loved toy is worn out. We don't want people buying toys that just sit there and the cat doesn't play with, and it does last forever.
0: Yes, and toys do wear out, and for a good reason, as you point out. So, uh, great. Well, what uh, what about the uh, topic of kits? You know, uh, much like babies and children, they, you know, develop their own personalities at their very early stages, and uh, they can sometimes become aggressive in play, so... Uh, what do you suggest that we do to make playtime safe for everyone and are there any do's and don'ts as far as kittens are concerned
1: yeah my my don't is don't get involved Um, they really aren't getting too aggressive they're actually learning and they're learning how to play with each other and they're learning when they go too far Um, they're learning what their bodies can do and can't do Um, I I can't even think of a time when I've really seen kittens hurt each other. Like they just don't really do that. Um, they're quite resilient. If one cat is playing too rough with another, the other one just, you know, goes and plays with a different kitten. Um, they rough and tumble, and just like kids, that's kind of fun. Uh, I I think people should
0: let them. Oh well. Okay. Great. Uh, Dr. Lin, also, can you describe some of the uh, great toys in your Design Rue toy collection that you've developed and why they're so popular?
1: Oh, thank you for asking. Um, Our signature product, the the first one that we came out with was our hide-and-sneak paper tunnel. And that is because um, hiding for cats and having a place of their own is extremely important to their health and well-being. We have numerous scientific studies that have been done in veterinary medicine to show the value of allowing cats the opportunity to hide. And so our hide-and-sneak tunnel is wonderful. It's made out of paper, it's eco-friendly, it's biodegradable, Um, cats like to live in it, sleep in it, play in it, and hide in it. Um, You know, we all enjoy having our own room, and cats feel the same way, and this is a wonderful way to give them their own private room and space. Um, on top of that, we have some interactive toys. I've developed a, an entire line of paper uh, attachments that go on to wand toys. We sell a, a great wand, but what's better than our wand are our wand attachments. And um, we have a series of ring toys. We have an allure ring, a fluttering, and an o-ring. And they're all designed to either sound or move like real prey. Um, I believe in bringing the outdoors in because our cats are now enclosed in four walls and so um, keeping it as natural as possible is how I uh, approach developing a new toy. Uh, I want our indoor cats to experience the same joys that they would if they were going outside to play.
0: Well, they, they sure do when they uh, use your toys. Uh, I can vouch for that firsthand. Uh, we uh, all obviously offer your toys on my3cats.com, but I have personally uh, used a lot of your toys with our cats. Uh, our cats absolutely love them. Uh, I, the uh, Wiggly Wand uh, with the O-Ring is a, is a great hit with our cats uh and your wiggly ball and wiggly pings uh are really a lot of fun and in fact i have uh given those as gifts to other cats and cat owners and they come back with rave reviews on those no, and i think yes it's i mean it's you really understand cats and that's what makes your toys so great i hope so that's what
1: i try to do um You know, again, when I first started in practice, my patients were outside. And then through the past 30 years, they now are mostly exclusively living indoors. And um, we really have to do a lot of enrichment to keep them happy and healthy.
0: Oh, isn't that the truth? Uh, And so, you know what? I think, Dr. Lynn, if cats had money, they'd buy these toys, wouldn't they? <laughs> oh, I think they would. <laughs> hey, I've really enjoyed uh, reading your tips online for keeping my cats healthy and happy. Did you want to tell our audience where they can get these great tips? Oh, thank you. So we have a website. It's
1: www.desiru.dog e is Edward zebra and Robert o o dot com. And up at the top, it says tips and tricks.
0: Perfect thank you for that. And thank you, Dr. Lynn, for your great advice today. I know I'm going to certainly try your ideas with our cat cleaner. Well,
1: wonderful. And,
0: you know, I, I, would love for people to share their
1: ideas with me as well we have a contact um, page on our website our email address is info at desiru.com and um, you know cat owners are the best resource and have wonderful tips of their own to share with others
0: great and also just to tag along with that um, my3cats.com has a community page and we've got a lot of great uh, people chiming in on their own cats and their own experiences with their cats as well. And I think, uh, Dr. Lynn, you are a follower of that page as well. I sure am. And so, finally, here's what you all have been waiting for, uh, all of our listeners here today. So, Dr. Lynn and my are offering you a Meowthalus toy sale right now. Buy any of our collection of amazing cat-tested Desi and Roo toys and get 20% off at my3cats.com. This is for one week only, so starting from July 2nd, it's one week only. Go to my3cats.com, click our Toys, Toys, Toys collection, and you'll find Desi and Roo toys featured right there, right at the very top of the page whether it's the Wiggly wand or the O-ring or the Wiggly ping, Wiggly ball, any of the toys that Dr. Uh, Lynn has mentioned, you'll find them right there. Just enter TOYS in the discount box. That's the code TOYS, T-O-Y-S, in the discount box when you check out. Now, if you buy six Desi and Rue toys or more, you'll also get a free Wiggly ball with your order. So what's not to like about that? (laughs) Woohoo! <laughs> Thanks again for joining us, everyone. Meow for now. Hi, Hi, I'm Carolyn Kozlowski, host of our podcast and founder of the specialty cat e commerce site, my 3 my specializes in offering the very best and unique cat products and cat lover gifts on the market. Since 1998, we've served thousands of our cat loving customers across the U.S. and beyond. Like you, we understand cats and cat people and what they're like. Uh, You can read more about us at my3cats.com. You know, this is our fifth podcast, so we're very excited about it. And we're especially excited because we have a special one for you today. Our guest, Sarah Chauncey, a Cat Writers Association Award-winning author, is here with us to share her wisdom and insights about a topic that's often difficult to discuss, how to say goodbye to your cat. Hi,
2: Sarah. Hi, Carolyn. Thanks so much
0: for having me. Uh, We're very excited to have you on our podcast today. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Sarah joins us from her beautiful picturesque location in Vancouver Island in British Columbia. I can just about imagine how amazing the views must be from your studio, Sarah.
2: Honestly, I am really lucky. Today is a gorgeous day and I have a lovely view of the Georgia Strait that separates mainland BC from the island.
0: Oh, that just sounds so fascinating. One of these days, I'll make
2: it there. (laughs) (laughs) It will. As our provincial health officer says at every briefing, she says, this is not forever, but it is for now. I love it. I love it. Well,
0: now I'd like to share with our listeners a few words about you, Sarah. Um, Sarah's real life experience with her cat, Hedda, inspired her to write her book, P.S. I Love You More Than Tuna. She has written and edited for nearly every medium over the past three decades, from print to television to digital. Her writing has been featured on EckertToll.com and Modern Loss, as well as in Lion's Roar and Canadian Living. She lives on Vancouver Island in British Columbia, where she divides her time between writing, editing nonfiction, and walking in nature. Sarah never saw herself as a cat person, but rather one of millions of people who simply loved her cat deeply. And Sarah's own words, P.S. I Love You More Than Tuna, published by Sounds True, will be the first illustrated gift book for adults, grieving a companion cat. It will help readers through their pain without being saccharine will heal through laughter as well as tears and will offer empathy without minimizing the reader's pain or the need to fix. So let's start out with this premise. Cats live shorter lifespans than most humans. Veterinary medicine is getting better all the time, but most of us will face this loss at least once. As we grasp the reality that the time we have together with our cat may be coming to an end. Um, Sarah, what are your thoughts about how we can make the most of our remaining time together with our cat?
2: I have to say it it's the most challenging aspect of loving a cat is understanding that, you know, we're probably gonna outlive them. Um, and what has helped me in my experience is looking at, you know, animals and humans are both we're part, we're a part of nature, we're expressions of nature, just like trees, and any other species. And nature has central organizing principles. And one of those is that whatever is born eventually dies. And coming to terms with that helped me a bit as well as the idea that, you know, there are many different dimensions to our world. And so when we think of lifespan, or we, we talk about, you know, even when we talk about human relationships, we talk about length of time. In my experience, we, we can also go into a depth of the bond, and especially towards the end when everything is very fragile, including our own feelings. Um, Going deep and meeting our cat at their essence is, I found that really helpful and a way to to be able to let go even if I didn't want to, if that makes sense.
0: It does. It does make sense. And you're right. I mean, we always look at things on a linear fashion, you know, Mm. as far as how much time we have left. But it just it just involves so much more um, as we talk about our companion animals and how closely we're bonded with them. Yes. So, Sarah, um, if I may quote you, the opportunity inherent in anticipatory grief is to work with what psychologist William Warden calls the first task of mourning, that is to say, to accept the reality of the impending loss. You say that if we can do this before our cat's death, then the experience can be much less traumatic and even peaceful or
2: sacred. So would you please expand on this for us a bit? Sure, Um, speaking of, I'll start by saying, we were talking about how linear the human mind can be And I think most people are familiar with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's paradigm of the five stages of grief, which I, my understanding is that she never intended for them to be linear, but people get really caught up in that of like, well, when do I get to the next stage? And the paradigm that I have found really helpful comes from psychologist William Wharton, as you mentioned, who has four tasks for working through mourning and The first task is simply to, the way he phrases it, is to accept the reality of the loss. And how this played out for me, and I was incredibly lucky and grateful for this, is there's a woman who works in my vet's office named Tracy. And when I finally decided it was time, you know, and I've written about kind of how I came to that decision, I think two or three times, I called and tried to make the appointment and I couldn't get, I couldn't speak through tears. I was crying too hard. And she said to me, take time to let your heart catch up to your decision. Because if you can do that, you know, if you don't do that, it's going to be much, much harder afterwards. So I believe that there is an upside. That sounds like a very Mm -hmm. strange way to phrase it. So people Mm. who experience sudden loss, and certainly there are many, many people who experience sudden loss, and you can't, you know, you're dealing with shock, you're not able to prepare at all, and you're kind of blindsided. But if you know that, you know, your cat is 15, 16, or been through several rounds of treatment that aren't working, um, there's more of a time to pre-grieve sort of um I cried a lot in the four years before Hedda actually died because every time I thought about it I couldn't imagine how I would get through it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and when Tracy said that to me it just made sense it's coming to an acceptance and you don't have to like it you know I don't think there's anybody who likes it you know, it it doesn't mean feeling positive about it. It simply means I think all of us know what it feels like when we're resisting something and when there's a really tight knot in our stomach versus the openness of grief, because grief really does break us open. And if we can get to that kind of broken open stage, then that's where, you know, a lot of the healing can come in. Sure, sure. Well, that's very uh, insightful
0: uh, of you to to say that. Uh, and also, yes, I mean, at first we feel resistance, but then, you know, if we can get ourselves to a place where, you know, it is reality and we know it's coming, but let's make the, the best of it. Yes. That we can.
2: Um, I'd like to just add, it's possible to simultaneously feel immense grief and still have a peaceful experience. Those two are not mutually exclusive. Um, I think people sometimes get the impression that acceptance means, oh, everything's okay. It's not, I mean, another word I've heard for it is surrender, surrendering to what's actually happening. Um, For me, when I get into a place of resistance, I think this shouldn't be happening, it's awful. And all those thoughts just make me feel so much worse. And so it's a matter of just being kind to yourself. Um, we're going to feel grief because we feel love, and love and grief are inextricably linked.
0: Oh, yes. I couldn't agree with you more on that. You know, Sarah, as we continue to discuss preparing ourselves for the eventual passing of our beloved cats, One of your suggestions is to stay in the present moment as much Mm -hmm. as possible. And we know that humans have a surprising ability to handle whatever arises in the moment, no matter how challenging or painful. Would you please discuss why you recommend this approach?
2: The way I see it, the alternative is to miss those precious moments that we do have with our cats. And, you know, we humans have this incredible ability to think mentally about the future and the past and to compare and contrast. And that often takes us out of our bodies. So when I say be present in the moment, I'm talking about what do you see? What can you hear? You know, in this moment, your cat is still with you. You know, what is the expression in their eyes? How is their body language? Maybe place your hand on their fur and just focus on the sensation of fur and their breath. And that stops the mind from whirling around and going, oh, my!" Ah! you know, the, the horrible feelings and thoughts that we have in this challenging time. Um, presence. Presence is a way, in my experience, to bring us into the sacred of the relationship.
0: Isn't isn't that true? And, you know, staying in the present moment, that can apply to almost anything we do in our lives. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's a healing power. It really is. And uh,
2: the I wanted to say I'm laughing only because I have had, you know, Hedda's death was not my initial experience with learning about the power of presence. And I spent many, many years practicing that in other areas of my life, and then brought it into the end of Hedda's life. And that's where I went, wow, this is really powerful. Um, Is it okay if I add a little bit? Oh, please. Here. Um, What I find is when I can accept the sensations of the moment, and that's not what my mind is telling me about the moment, that I want to clarify that it's, the thoughts are different from the actual experience of the moment then everything starts to be a little miraculous because mm-hmm. you're paying attention. Again, I'm going back to the depth versus breadth. You're paying attention to the deepest moments and the real the reality of, you know, the mystery of this world. I mean, that's another opportunity with cats at the end of their lives is, you know, we love them and we call them cats, but these beings would exist even without us and just leaning into that mystery and wonder, and we don't we don't know how long we'll have with our cats. We like to adopt a kitten and think, okay, you know, I've got twenty years. But as all of your listeners probably know, that's not always the case. And we don't know how long we have, you know, ourselves on this planet. Yep, yeah, and it, presence absolutely. presence helps us make
0: the most of that time. It 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 really does. I mean. <laughs> we could outlive our cats or our cats could outlive us.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, And, you know, if it's the latter, then hopefully we're all prepared that we've already planned ahead. Right. Making preparations for that as well. Yes. So, um, Sarah, you've observed that with a cat that's young or even with an older cat, their humans typically may have thoughts like, you know, this shouldn't be happening or he's too young. Um, Those thoughts, while completely understandable, are really a form of resistance. So why is that not a healthy approach?
2: As humans, we often, you know, we have this amazing brain that can create stories about what's happening around us. And that, that keeps us from, I mean, in some ways it protects us. It's basically our brains, our mind's way of trying to protect our heart um because we come up with these stories and then we can put all our mental energy into those stories but we're not experiencing what's true for us in that moment which is this very profound grief and what i've experienced is that when we can allow ourselves to feel the grief without our thoughts interference it can pass through our body more quickly and these thoughts of like, this shouldn't be happening, he's too young. We don't have the ability to change what is with our thoughts, at least not as far as I'm aware. And so those thoughts just make us feel miserable. And if Mm -hmm. we're going to feel, you know, unhappiness is part and parcel of loving a pet, of saying goodbye to a pet or companion animal. Um, And it's just... a lot, if we're going to have this, this pain, mm-hmm. let's focus on how it can move through us rather than thinking about it, which keeps the pain trapped in the body.
0: It definitely does. And, um you know, when we worry, it doesn't help matters. I mean, we're human and we worry, <laughs> right. But at the same time, it, it just doesn't change anything. In fact, it it makes the reality seem worse than it really is.
2: Yes. And one of my favorite lines, and I think it was from Eat, Pray, Love, um, is, you know, worry is just the ego trying to pretend that it's useful. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. And I really, you know, I see that, I saw that a lot in myself at the end of Hedda's life. And every time I was able to catch it, I would come back to just the sensations of the moment. And I often, you know, would run into the bathroom and ball into the towel, but it, you know, focusing on our feelings rather than our thoughts, in my experience, really helped me process the grief.
0: Wow, that's, that's, that is so fascinating. And um, thank you very much for that insight. Um, Sarah, in the course of preparing for your cat's passing, you've said that. If your mind and your heart are reeling, give yourself some compassion, treat yourself the way you would treat a kitten in distress, for example. Mm. Why do you believe this is so important in the process of preparation?
2: Well, saying goodbye is really hard. It's, you know, I think it's the most difficult thing. Anyone who loves an animal does. And we often beat ourselves up. Everybody has regrets. If your cat died, suddenly people worry that, you know, they could have done something else. They should have done something else. If, you know, did I wait too long? Did I do it too soon? If you choose euthanasia, Um, there are just so many ways to doubt ourselves. And again, that's the mind coming in to try and take control of what is really a physiological process and an emotional process rather than an intellectual one. So there's a woman named Dr. Kristen Neff and her website is self-compassion.org. And her life's work is around helping people learn to be compassionate with themselves. What I've seen with cat lovers in particular is that people who love cats are some of the most compassionate people on the planet. And they often don't extend that compassion to themselves. And we are every bit as deserving of compassion as the animals we love. I mean, we are equal expressions of nature. And when, when I take care of myself first, when I have compassion for myself, then then I'm able to extend that compassion to others. Um, and I just, I tell people to be gentle with yourself. And I know that's a cliche in dealing with grief in general, but it's a really profound, to me, a profound statement underneath because it means have compassion for yourself, you know, Imagine, you know, someone else going through this and think of all the compassion you have for them. You are every bit as deserving of that.
0: Yes. And you know what? Those those are true words of wisdom about uh, the topic of compassion and self-compassion. So thank you for those. Uh, Sarah, um I believe that this next observation of yours is one that has really hit home with me personally mm. um it 's about what I call the hospice stage, you know yes, when you, when you know that you 've tried everything and yeah, you know your your vet is telling you look it's it's pretty much time, and you know you've got so much time left and so forth so mm. I know, even though I've personally been through this several times, I'm i am um, I'm a dyed-in-the-wool cat lover. I've had cats since infancy, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so I've had a lot of experience with um, cats throughout their lives and even at the end of their lives and so forth, mm. but it's still always difficult because I realize that my dear cat isn't feeling well, and it's hard to witness that, so... You know you suggest making the time you have together special um how do we go about doing that
2: it's It's such a a painful time, and as I was listening to you, I had my hand over my heart because I know how the word I use a lot is poignant um that it's it's mm-hmm. just there's so much going on so this what I mean by that is making every interaction. Deliberate. Um, So if you're giving subcutaneous fluids or medication, take that time and make that, you know, create some space around that time. So you, you have this sacred time where you're trying to help your cat feel better. You might not be able to cure them, but you're doing something that will make them feel a little bit better. Talk to them. I don't, you know, it's not that I believe cats understand human language but I really believe they smell our pheromones, they sense our energy. So just say, look, I'm putting this needle in you because I want you to feel better. I know you're really, you know, kind of dried out and this is gonna help you feel better. Um, Yes, yes, I can see see that. And,
0: you know, know, when it's clear that the time is coming, um, I've also uh, read where you say, create a ritual to say, good, mm. to say goodbye to your cat. So I wonder if you could um, just explore that a little bit with our listeners.
2: Yes. Um, so, Gwen Hedda, this was in 2016, and there was about a week between the day I knew something was really, really wrong and her last day. Um, and part of that was because we were doing tests and deciding what to treat or not treat. Um, I didn't set out to go, I, you know, okay, there's going to be a ritual. But I just kind of intuitively felt like this, this being, Hedda had witnessed me through so much in my life and had been there for me, you know, more consistent. I think one of the things with companion animals is they're with us more consistently than almost any human. So they see all these things. And I wanted to honor that and thank her. So I played, there was a song that I used to, when she was a kitten, I would hold her in my arms and kind of dance around. She loved being held upside down. And uh, so I kept- played that song on repeat on my phone, you know, crying. And I lit a candle and I curled up with her, I I cleared my schedule and I just talked to her and I thanked her and I reminisced. Um, One of the things this may be, uh, I'm not sure if this might be a little out there, but there is a spiritual teacher, a Buddhist teacher named Adyashanti. And one of the things, lines that he uses is, and he uses it in the context of people, but What's looking through your eyes is also looking through mine. And every time I said that to Hedda, she perked up and looked straight at me. And, you know, I gave her lots of tuna because that was her favorite food. I mean, if your cat loves salmon, then go for that. And I just created a space to just be with her where neither of us had to do anything, we were just witnessing each other
0: that That is just that is special, and I love those ideas, and I will remember them when it comes time. We've got a couple of old cats here at our place, mm. here, and but they're doing well right now, but there will there will come a time, so I really do appreciate, and I'm sure our listeners appreciate your great insights and suggestions today Um, you know our cats are truly family members and Mm -hmm. we want to not only provide them with the best environment we can during their lives with us but we also want to ensure that they have the best environment as they move through their final passing Mm -hmm. Um, I know your new book P.S. I Love You More Than Tuna addresses this as well as cover much more about working through the grief once they're gone. So I was wondering,
2: you know, can you give us a little glimpse into your new book? Um, It's, it's, I, I'm stumbling here and now I'm self-conscious, but uh, it's not a narrative book. It's an illustrated mm-hmm. gift book. And uh, it's not so much on how to cope with the loss as it is I believe, you know, I believe that our cat's essence remains. Sure. Um, I, I that, that's basically, Boys. and that's sort of what, um, that's sort of where the book came from, is this idea that the body may be gone, but the energy is there. I don't, have you ever, Carolyn, can I ask you a question? Sure. Um, have you ever felt one of your late cats around you? So yes. I'm always, yeah. Yeah. That's
0: you know and what what I've done with a couple of the the kitties that uh we've had that are no, no longer here I actually <laughs> believe it or not I wrote a letter to the cat her name was mm. a, one of the cat's names was Luna and she was a beautiful little black and white tuxedo cat and she was very much in your face all the time she was very a very aware of everything and so intelligent um, mm-hmm. and very yeah. active. And when she was gone, we missed her sorely. And so I wrote a letter, letter to her and I put it on her bed where she used to sleep. Mm. And it was in a closet and I put the letter on the bed and I closed the door of the closet, but it's a linen closet. So I'm in there and out of there all the time. Mm-hmm. So when I go in there, I look at the spot and, you know what? She comes right back to me.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Pretty amazing. And, um, you know, I'm a person of faith, so I, I, and not, you know, I'm not trying to make this into evangelistic, (laughs) (laughs) uh, show, but at the same time, I'm a person of faith. And I, uh, I happen to believe that you know, one day I'm going to see them all again.
1: Mm-hmm. But,
0: but for the time being, I do feel their presence. You know, go yeah. different places, familiar places where they used to be and so forth.
2: Yes. And I love that you wrote a letter to Luna because one of the things I recommend after is, is doing that, is writing a letter or a tribute. I'm not sure if you're aware that there's, on, in, on Facebook, we have a group called Tuna Tributes. Uh, which is part of the Tuna page, where people can post stories of their cat and photos. We limit the conversation. It's not like other cat groups in that it's strictly for people to ask for and receive support by sharing about their cat.
0: Oh, that is, that is great. Um, Well, you know, we're delighted to tell our listeners today that they're going to be able to buy Sarah's book P.S. I Love You More Than Tuna, right at my3cats.com. In fact, we have a special page on our website where it's easy to place your order. We also uh, have a special gift for you today. We are giving away a copy of P.S. I Love You More Than Tuna to one lucky listener. All you need to do is to visit mythreecats.com 3 catscom and click on the Contact Us page to send us your name and email address. Once you do that, you'll be entered into a random drawing to win a free copy. Uh, Entries that are postmarked on or before October 29th will become eligible to win. The winner will be announced on our my3cats.com Facebook page on October 30th. So thanks to all of you for tuning into our podcast today. And Sarah, many, many thanks for you. Oh, thank you so much. And for your contributions. You know, we hope that you'll tell your friends to listen to this podcast on the my3cats.com Facebook page, as well as on their Google Play, Spotify, Anchor, and other favorite podcast apps. Until next time, may you and your feline family members together enjoy good health and happiness. But, you know, I've often wondered why in the world do they like high places? Uh, You know, we 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 know they do and we accommodate them. But why do they do you have any um, thoughts on that?
1: Yes. So I think um, there's a there's several reasons. I don't really think that there's just one. Um, A primary reason, though, is the higher up they are, the safer they are from being preyed upon. So um, having a vantage point above the ground lets cats observe what's going on below them. And um, again, it's, it's a way of sort of hiding up there. They can see when other cats are walking by or they can look for prey up there, but they're pretty safe when they're high. So it, I, I think part of it is a safety reason. Um, it's also fun to climb. And again, little kids, look at jungle gyms. Look at, look at they, they serve no purpose but to climb them. And kids love to climb to the top. So I think climbing is fun. I think it's safe. Um, I think it's a, a total innate Uh, part of their nature you know cats cats on a hot tin roof they're known to hang out on the roofs of of houses Um, there's wild cats big cats that that hang in the trees Um, and so it's it's just ingrained in their DNA
0: well that's cool and um, it's it's, it's great, all the varieties of cat trees that are out there, too, to accommodate their needs, multiple levels and different surfaces for them to rest on or sit on and so forth. So um, at least these days, there are far more choices for our cats than there ever were.
1: I agree. One of my cat's favorites is a window seat that suctions to the windows that's, you know, above the ground and and they can jump on it and they can look outside. Um, I think every household should have a cat tree. I don't think you can, you know, be a good cat guardian without one. Um, Mm -hmm. Cats really need high places in which to retreat to. I have... um, two different bookshelves um, in our office and I have cat caves on top of both of them. I, I put sleeping caves and, and beds and things like that um, all around my house that are high up, uh, either on tables or again on bookshelves. But it's definitely... I believe, an absolute, along with places to hide, places to climb, places to scratch, um, and ways to play are the most important thing indoor cats need.
0: Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's it should be a staple in every uh, home uh, where, yes. where there's a cat or two or three or four, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, that brings us to the end of our podcast thank you dr lynn for your great insights uh we know that our cats are truly family members so we certainly want to try to understand them uh in our household here uh the primary difference between them and us is not that they have fur and we don't it's that they rule the house and my husband and i serve them and they know it (laughs) So, of course. Yeah. <laughs> now, how did they manage to do that? Um, anyway, uh, we wanted to let our audience know uh, that you can listen to this podcast again or share it with your friends. It's uh, going to be published on Facebook. Uh, our Facebook page at My3Cats.com as well as other places. Uh, Google Play, Spotify, and Anchor apps will have it as well. So thank you again for tuning in. Uh, we do have a special offer for our listeners today. So uh, just go to my3cast.com where we carry uh, all the line of Desi and Rue toys. Uh, place any order, uh, any minimum will do. And we're going to do something special for you. We're going to add a free Desi and Rue wiggly ball to your order. These are great little toys. You'll, you'll discover that as soon as you get one um just enter the code podcast all one word p-o-d-c-a-s-t at checkout this is a limited time offer so why don't you go visit my3cats.com right now and thanks again and meow for now um, you know, I've often wondered why in the world do they like high places. Uh, you know, we 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 know they do, and we accommodate them. But why do they? Do you have any um, thoughts on that?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I think um, there's a there's several reasons. I don't really think that there's just one. Um, a primary reason, though, is the higher up they are, the safer they are from being preyed upon. So um, having a vantage point above the ground lets cats observe what's going on below them. And um, again, it's, it's a way of sort of hiding up there. They can see when other cats are walking by or they can look for prey up there, but they're pretty safe when they're high. So it, I, I think part of it is a safety reason. Um, it's also fun to climb. And again, little kids look at jungle gyms. Look at, look at they, they serve no purpose but to climb up. And kids love to climb to the top. So I think climbing is fun. I think it's safe. Um, I think it's a, a total innate Uh, part of their nature you know cats cats on a hot tin roof they're known to hang out on the roofs of of houses Um, there's wild cats big cats that that hang in the trees Um, and so it's it's just ingrained in their DNA
0: well that's cool and um, it's it's, it's great, all the varieties of cat trees that are out there, too, to accommodate their needs. Multiple levels and different surfaces for them to rest on or sit on and so forth. So, um, at least these days, there are far more choices for our cats than there ever were.
1: I agree. One of my cats' favorites is a window seat that suctions to the windows that's, you know, above the ground and and they can jump on it and they can look outside. Um, I think every household should have a cat tree. I don't think you can, you know, be a good cat guardian without one. um, Mm -hmm. Cats really need high places in which to retreat to. I have... um, two different bookshelves um, in our office and I have cat caves on top of both of them. I, I put sleeping caves and, and beds and things like that um, all around my house that are high up, uh, either on tables or again on bookshelves, but it's definitely... I believe, in absolute, along with places to hide, places to climb, places to scratch, um, and ways to play are the most important thing indoor cats need.
0: Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's it should be a staple in every uh, home uh, where, yes. where there's a cat or two or three or four, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, that brings us to the end of our podcast thank you dr lynn for your great insights uh we know that our cats are truly family members so we certainly want to try to understand them Uh, in our household here uh, the primary difference between them and us is not that they have fur and we don't it's that they rule the house and my husband and i serve them and they know it (laughs) So, of course, yeah. <laughs> now, how did they manage to do that? Um, anyway, uh, we wanted to let our audience know uh, that you can listen to this podcast again or share it with your friends. It's uh, going to be published on Facebook, uh, our Facebook page at my3cats.com, as well as other places. Uh, Google Play, Spotify, and Anchor apps will have it as well. So thank you again for tuning in. Uh, we do have a special offer for our listeners today. So uh, just go to my3cast.com where we carry uh, all the line of Desi and Rue toys. Uh, place any order, uh, any minimum will do. And we're going to do something special for you. We're going to add a free Desi and Rue wiggly ball to your order. These are great little toys. You'll, you'll discover that as soon as you get one um just enter the code podcast all one word p-o-d-c-a-s-t at checkout this is a limited time offer so why don't you go visit my3cats.com right now and thanks again and meow for now um, you know, I've often wondered why in the world do they like high places? Uh, you know, we, we we know they do and we accommodate them, but why do they? Do you have any um, thoughts on that?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I think um, there's, a, there's several reasons. I don't really think that there's just one. Um, a primary reason, though, is the higher up they are, the safer they are from being preyed upon. So um, having a vantage point above the ground lets cats observe what's going on below them. And um, again, it's, it's a way of sort of hiding up there. They can see when other cats are walking by or they can look for prey up there, but they're pretty safe when they're high. So it I, I think part of it is a safety reason. Um, it's also fun to climb. And again, little kids, look at jungle gyms. look at look at they they serve no purpose but to climb up. And kids love to climb to the top. So I think climbing is fun. I think it's safe. Um, I think it's a, a total innate. Uh, part of their nature you know cats cats on a hot tin roof they're known to hang out on the roofs of of houses Um, there's Uh wild cats big cats that that hang in the trees Um, and so it's it's just ingrained in their DNA
0: well that's cool and um, it's it's, it's great, all the varieties of cat trees that are out there, too, to accommodate their needs, multiple levels and different surfaces for them to rest on or sit on and so forth. So um, at least these days, there are far more choices for our cats than there ever were.
1: I agree. One of my cat's favorites is a window seat that suctions to the windows that's, you know, above the ground and and they can jump on it and they can look outside. Um, I think every household should have a cat tree. I don't think you can, you know, be a good cat guardian without one. Right. right? Mm -hmm. Cats really need high places in which to retreat to. I have... um, two different bookshelves um, in our office, and I have cat caves on top of both of them. I, I put sleeping caves and, and beds and things like that um, all around my house that are high up, uh, either on tables or, again, on bookshelves, but it's definitely... I believe an absolute, along with places to hide, places to climb, places to scratch um, and ways to play are the most important thing indoor cats need.
0: Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's it should be a staple in every uh, home uh, where where there's a cat or two or three or four. Right. (laughs) 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 Uh, So anyway, um, that brings us to the end of our podcast thank you dr lynn for your great insights uh we know that our cats are truly family members so we certainly want to try to understand them uh in our household here uh, the primary difference between them and us is not that they have fur and we don't it's that they rule the house and my husband and i serve them and they know it (laughs) So, of course, yeah. <laughs> now, how did they manage to do that? Um, anyway, uh, we wanted to let our audience know uh, that you can listen to this podcast again or share it with your friends. It's uh, going to be published on Facebook, uh, our Facebook page at my3cats.com, as well as other places. Uh, Google Play, Spotify, and Anchor apps will have it as well. So thank you again for tuning in. Uh, we do have a special offer for our listeners today. So uh, just go to my3cast.com where we carry uh, all the line of Desi and Rue toys. Uh, place any order, uh, any minimum will do. And we're going to do something special for you. We're going to add a free Desi and Rue wiggly ball to your order. These are great little toys. You'll, you'll discover that as soon as you get one um just enter the code podcast all one word p-o-d-c-a-s-t at checkout this is a limited time offer so why don't you go visit my3cats.com right now and thanks again and meow for now um, you know, I've often wondered why in the world do they like high places. Uh, you know, we 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 know they do, and we accommodate them. But why do they? Do you have any um, thoughts on that?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I think um, there's a there's several reasons. I don't really think
0: that there's just
1: one. Um, a primary reason, though, is the higher up they are, the safer they are from being preyed upon. So um, having a vantage point above the ground lets cats observe what's going on below them. And um, again, it's, it's a way of sort of hiding up there. They can see when other cats are walking by or they can look for prey up there, but they're pretty safe when they're high. So it I, I think part of it is a safety reason. Um, it's also fun to climb. And again, little kids, look at jungle gyms. look at look at they they serve no purpose but to climb up. And kids love to climb to the top. So I think climbing is fun. I think it's safe. Um, I think it's a, a total innate. Uh, part of their nature you know cats cats on a hot tin roof they're known to hang out on the roofs of of houses Um, there's wild cats big cats that that hang in the trees Um, and so it's it's just ingrained in their DNA.
0: Well that's cool and um, it's it's, it's great, all the varieties of cat trees that are out there, too, to accommodate their needs, multiple levels and different surfaces for them to rest on or sit on and so forth. So um, at least these days, there are far more choices for our cats than there ever were.
1: I agree. One of my cats favorites is a window seat that suctions to the windows That's you know, above the ground and, and they can jump on it and they can look outside. Um, I think every household should have a cat tree. I don't think you can, you know, be a good cat guardian without one. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Cats really need high places in which to retreat to. I have, um, two different bookshelves um, in our office, and I have cat caves on top of both of them. I, I put sleeping caves and, and beds and things like that um, all around my house that are high up, uh, either on tables or, again, on bookshelves, but it's definitely... I believe an absolute, along with places to hide, places to climb, places to scratch um, and ways to play are the most important thing indoor cats need.
0: Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's it should be a staple in every uh, home uh, where, yes. where there's a cat or two or three or four. Right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, that brings us to the end of our podcast thank you dr lynn for your great insights uh we know that our cats are truly family members so we certainly want to try to understand them uh in our household here uh, the primary difference between them and us is not that they have fur and we don't it's that they rule the house and my husband and i serve them and they know it (laughs) So, of course. Yeah. <laughs> now how did they manage to do that? Um, anyway, uh, we wanted to let our audience know uh, that you can listen to this podcast again or share it with your friends. It's uh, going to be published on Facebook. Uh, our Facebook page at mythreecats.com, 3 catscom as well as other places. Uh, Google Play, Spotify, and Anchor apps will have it as well. So thank you again for tuning in. Uh, We do have a special offer for our listeners today. So uh, just go to my3cast.com where we carry uh, all the line of Desi and Rue Toys. Uh, Place any order, uh, any minimum will do. And we're going to do something special for you. We're going to add a free desi and rue wiggly ball to your order these are great little toys you'll you'll discover that as soon as you get one um, just enter the code podcast all one word p-o-d-c-a-s-t at checkout this is a limited time offer so why don't you go visit my3cats.com right now and thanks again and meow for now host of our podcast and founder of the specialty cat e-commerce site my3cats.com. my3cats.com specializes in offering the very best in unique cat products and cat lover gifts on the market. Since 1998, we've served thousands of our cat loving customers across the U.S. and beyond. Like you, we understand cats and cat people and what they're like. Uh, you can read more about us at my You know, this is our fifth podcast, so we're very excited about it, and we're especially excited because we have a special one for you today. Our guest, Sarah Chauncey, a Cat Writers Association award-winning author, is here with us to share her wisdom and insights about a topic that's often difficult to discuss, how to say goodbye to your cat. Hi,
2: Sarah. Hi, Carolyn. Thanks so
0: much for having me. Uh, We're very excited to have you on our podcast today. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Sarah joins us from her beautiful picturesque location in Vancouver Island in British Columbia. I can just about imagine how amazing the views must be from your studio, Sarah.
2: Honestly, I am really lucky. Today is a gorgeous day, and I have a lovely view of the Georgia Strait that separates mainland BC from the island.
0: Oh, that just sounds so fascinating. One of these days, I'll make
2: it there. <laughs> <laughs> it will. As our provincial health officer says at every briefing, she says, this is not forever, but it is for now. So oh, I love it. I love it. Well,
0: now I'd like to share with our listeners a few words about you, Sarah. Um, Sarah's real life experience with her cat Hedda inspired her to write her book. P.S. I love you more than tuna. She has written and edited for nearly every medium over the past three decades from print to television, to digital. Her writing has been featured on EckertToll.com and modern loss as well as in Lion's Roar in Canadian Living. She lives on Vancouver Island in British Columbia, where she divides her time between writing, editing nonfiction, and walking in nature. Sarah never saw herself as a cat person, but rather one of millions of people who simply loved her cat deeply. In Sarah's own words, P.S. I love you more than tuna, published by Sounds True, will be the first illustrated gift book for adults, grieving a companion cat. It will help readers through their pain without being saccharine, it will heal through laughter as well as tears, and will offer empathy without minimizing the reader's pain or the need to fix. So let's start out with this premise. Cats live shorter lifespans than most humans. Veterinary medicine is getting better all the time, but most of us will face this loss at least once. As we grasp the reality that the time we have together with our cat may be coming to an end. um, Sarah, what are your thoughts about how we can make the most of our remaining time together with our cat?
2: I have to say, it's the most challenging aspect of loving a cat is understanding that, you know, we're probably going to outlive them. Um, And what has helped me in my experience is looking at, you know, animals and humans are both, we're part, we're a part of nature, we're expressions of nature, just like trees and any other species. And. Nature has central organizing principles, and one of those is that whatever is born eventually dies. And coming to terms with that helped me a bit, as well as the idea that, you know, there are many different dimensions to our world. And so when we think of lifespan, or we, we talk about, you know, even when we talk about human relationships, we talk about length of time, In my experience, we can also go into a depth of the bond, and especially towards the end when everything is very fragile, including our own feelings. Um, Going deep and meeting our cat at their essence is, I found that really helpful and a way to to be able to let go even if I didn't want to, if that makes sense.
0: It does, it does make sense. And you're right. I mean, we always look at things on a linear fashion, you know, mm. as far as how much time we have left, but it just, it just involves so much more um, as we talk about our companion animals and how closely we're bonded with them. Yes. So Sarah, um, if I may quote you, The opportunity inherent in anticipatory grief is to work with what psychologist William Warden calls the first task of mourning. That is to say, to accept the reality of the impending loss. You say that if we can do this before our cat's death, then the experience can be much less traumatic and even peaceful or
2: sacred. So would you please expand on this for us a bit? Sure. Um, Speaking of, I'll start by saying we were talking about how linear the human mind can be, and I think most people are familiar with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's paradigm of the five stages of grief, which I, my understanding is that she never intended for them to be linear, but people get really caught up in that of like, well, when do I get to the next stage? And the paradigm that I have found really helpful comes from psychologist William Wharton, as you mentioned, who has four tasks for working through mourning. And the first task is simply to, the way he phrases it, is to accept the reality of the loss. And how this played out for me, and I was incredibly lucky and grateful for this, is there's a woman who works in my vet's office named Tracy And when I finally decided it was time, you know, and I've written about kind of how I came to that decision, I think two or three times I called and tried to make the appointment and I couldn't get, I couldn't speak through tears. I was crying too hard. And she said to me, take time to let your heart catch up to your decision. Because if you can do that, You know, if you don't do that, it's going to be much, much harder afterwards. So I believe that there is an upside. That sounds like a very Mm -hmm. strange way to phrase it. So people Mm -hmm. who experience sudden loss, and certainly there are many, many people who experience sudden loss and you can't, you know, you're dealing with shock, you're not able to prepare at all, and you're kind of blindsided. But if you know that, you know, your cat is 15, 16 or been through several rounds of treatment that aren't working, um, there's more of a time to pre-grieve, sort of. Um, I cried a lot in the four years before Hedda actually died, because every time I thought about it, I couldn't imagine how I would get through it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And when... Tracy said that to me. It just made sense. It's coming to an acceptance, and it, you don't have to like it. You know, I don't think there's anybody who likes it. You know, it it doesn't mean feeling positive about it. It simply means. I think all of us know what it feels like when we're resisting something, and when there's a really tight knot in our stomach, versus the openness of grief, because grief really does break us open, and if we can get to that kind of broken open stage, then that's where, you know, a lot of it, healing can come in. Sure, sure. Well, that's very uh, insightful uh,
0: of you to, to say that. Uh, and also, yes, I mean, at first we feel resistance, but then, you know, if we can get ourselves to a place where, you know, it is reality and we know it's coming, but let's make the, the best of it yes that we can
2: um i'd like to just add it's possible to simultaneously feel immense grief and still have a peaceful experience those two are not mutually exclusive um i think people sometimes get the impression that acceptance means oh everything's okay it's not i mean another word i've heard for it is surrender surrendering to what's actually happening um for me, when I get into a place of resistance, I think this shouldn't be happening. It's awful. And all those thoughts just make me feel so much worse. And so it's a matter of just being kind to yourself. Um, we're going to feel grief because we feel love. And love and grief are inextricably linked.
0: Oh, yes. I couldn't agree with you more on that. You know, Sarah, as we continue to discuss preparing ourselves for the eventual passing of our beloved cats, one of your suggestions is to stay in the present moment as much Mm -hmm. as possible. And we know that humans have a surprising ability to handle whatever arises in the moment, no matter how challenging or painful. Would you please discuss why you recommend this approach?
2: the way i see it the alternative is to miss those precious moments that we do have with our cats and you know we humans have this incredible ability to think mentally about the future and the past and to compare and contrast and that often takes us out of our bodies so when i say be present in the moment i'm talking about what do you see what can you hear you know in this moment your cat is still with you you know what is the expression in their eyes how is their body language maybe place your hand on their fur and just focus on the sensation of fur and their breath and that stops the mind from whirling around and going oh my ah!" you know the the horrible feelings and thoughts that we have in this challenging time um presence Presence is a way, in my experience, to bring us into the sacred of the relationship.
0: Isn't isn't that true? And, you know, staying in the present moment that can apply to almost anything we do in our lives. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's a healing power. It really is. And uh,
2: the, I wanted to say I'm laughing only because I have had, you know, Hedda's death was not my initial experience with learning about the power of presence. And I spent many, many years practicing that in other areas of my life and then brought it into the end of Hedda's life. And that's where I went, wow, this is really powerful. Um, Is it okay if I add a little bit? Oh, please. Here. Um, What I find is when I can accept the sensations of the moment, and that's not what my mind is telling me about the moment that it, i want to clarify that it's the thoughts are different from the actual experience of the moment then everything starts to be a little miraculous because mm-hmm. you're paying attention again i'm going back to the depth versus breadth you're paying attention to the deepest moments and the real the reality of you know the mystery of this world i mean that's another opportunity with cats at the end of their lives is you know we love them and we call them cats, but these beings would exist even without us. And just leaning into that mystery and wonder. And we don't, we don't know how long we'll have with our cats. We like to adopt a kitten and think, okay, you know, I've got 20 years, but as all of your listeners probably know, that's not always the case. And we don't know how long we have, you know, ourselves on this planet. Yep, yeah, and yeah, absolutely. Presence Presence helps us make the most of that time.
0: It, it, it really does. I mean, we could outlive our cats or our cats could outlive us. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, if it's the latter, then hopefully we're all prepared that we've already planned ahead. Right. Uh, making preparations for that as well. Yes. So, um, Sarah, you've observed that with a cat that's young or even with an older cat, their humans typically may have thoughts like you know this shouldn't be happening or he's too young. Um those thoughts while completely understandable are really a form of resistance. So why is that not a healthy approach?
2: As humans, we often you know we have this amazing brain that can create stories about what's happening around us and that that keeps us from, I mean, in some ways it protects us. It's basically our brains, our minds way of trying to protect our heart Um, because we come up with these stories and then we can put all our mental energy into those stories, but we're not experiencing what's true for us in that moment, which is this very profound grief. And what I've experienced is that when we can allow ourselves to feel the grief without our thoughts interference, it can pass through our body more quickly. And these thoughts of like, this shouldn't be happening, he's too young, we don't have the ability to change what is with our thoughts, at least not as far as I'm aware. And so those thoughts just make us feel miserable. And if Mm -hmm. we're gonna feel, you know, unhappiness is part and parcel of loving a pet, of saying goodbye to a pet or companion animal.